Greg out today, John Burton, Pat and Cook inside the Strike and Spare Family Fun Center Studios. We're presented by the Omni Nashville Hotel. We are joined every Friday at this time by Ryan Callahan from Go Vols 24-7. Ryan, good morning. Hey, Ryan. Hey, John. How's it going? Good, buddy. How are you? Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us as always. No Greg today, so you're stuck with me. I hope that's all right. That's that's perfectly fine, and uh, we can we can uh, we can taunt Greg, uh, I guess, between now and next Friday about him not not having the decency to show up for for this conversation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's well. He's had a he's had an interesting week. I'll say that. Uh, Ryan, before we get to the basketball, it's baseball season, baby. You excited? Tony Valls and the boys out west, uh, out in the desert, playing some ball. It, it's an exciting time of year for Tennessee fans. Now, it's uh, it. I mean, really, it's not that long ago where this was just uh, a non-event in Knoxville. I mean, the, the baseball wasn't even really an off-season distraction. It was just part of the calendar for other sports that uh, the Tennessee fans weren't that uh, involved in. But uh, Tony Vitello has made that uh, must-see TV in, in Knoxville and, and certainly has, has uh, turned out the fan base in a way they've never really been energized before. And, yeah, they were, after last year's run that obviously came up short, uh, of a trip to Omaha, surprising uh, a, a lot of fans. Now, mm. now they're still right back at the top. Uh, you know, with a lot of people p- pegging them as certainly one of, if not the preseason favorite to win the national title again, even after all they lost last season. So we'll see if they can live up to that kind of hype and those expectations. But uh, it's certainly going to be a team people are, are excited about from the start, and uh, they're going to have a bullseye on their backs for sure with the way uh, the way they the way they play and the attention they draw from everyone that crosses their path. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Do you feel like this team is going to have a chip on its shoulder heading into this year, given how disappointing uh, the end of the season was last year, given the fact that, you know, they're in some circles kind of the heels, kind of the bad bad boys because of the antics that they do and stuff like that? Do you sense a chip on their shoulder uh, heading into this year? I, I think so a little bit. Uh, I mean, I, as much as anything, I think this is just a team eager to uh, to follow up on what they did last year and sort of, not not have that unfinished business they had at the end of last year. I think they know this is going to be a different team. It's a, it's a very different team, certainly in terms of the everyday lineup. Uh, but they still have a lot of good pitching coming back. Basically, their um, their their top three starters uh, are, are set, uh, and they're and they're well established guys: Chase Dolander, uh, Chase Burns, and uh, and Drew Beam. And those guys have all uh, shown they're capable of being you know, top of the rotation level guys, if they can all produce. So that's, that's where the expectations come from. But this lineup is very different looking. You've got uh, Blake Burke back at first base, who's an established power hitter, Malia Huna, that was a big time transfer uh, at playing shortstop. And a lot of other guys who played a little bit last year, but the everyday regulars really aren't back. So I think this is a, a team that's going to have to establish its own identity to a degree, at least in terms of the hitters. Mm. And that's where you saw a lot of that swagger, the Drew Gilberts and some of those guys yeah. that really, um, r- really enjoyed putting on that, that, that jacket after the home runs and <laughs> all those things, you know, they're, those guys aren't around. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to find out over time kind of what this team's personality is, how much of that do they do? Uh, I certainly think Tony Vitello is going to want them to play with, uh, with confidence and, and, and just sort of embrace who they are and not discourage them for much of that. But will it be the same kind of really over-the-top team that we've seen in the past? I don't, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see about that. But it's a team that I think definitely feels it has, um, has to pick up the torch from, from where those guys left off last year and, and try to get this thing back to Omaha where they were a couple of years ago. 
See Ryan, and we're talking with Ryan Callahan. Go Vols 24-7 at Ryan Callahan 247 on the Twitter. Um, see Ryan, I loved it. I, I loved the antics last year because I love the dynamic now that we do have a true I-40 rivalry in the spring between Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Of course, Vanderbilt, you know, the more established team, two national championships in recent vintage, but you know, the number, you know, we have, we have a lot of Vanderbilt fans that love to call this show and the fact that they were going back, back and forth with our Tennessee fans. I love the fact that this thing is a thing now in the spring between Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. I, I, you know, I, I went to a Tennessee Vanderbilt baseball game back in the early 2000s where I, I you know, there was, that was a good Tennessee team uh, that year and there still wasn't that level of interest. You know, the team that went to the College World Series and there still wasn't that kind of rivalry. Vanderbilt, you know, didn't have Tim Corbin yet. Um, it, you know, and, and in recent years, uh, a lot more recently than that, you, you'd have a, a half-empty Lindsey Nelson Stadium when Vanderbilt came to town. A, a really good Vanderbilt team even wouldn't draw necessarily a huge crowd because Tennessee wasn't that engaged then. So, it, it is good to see that uh, it, it's kind of picking up where I, I feel like basketball was years ago. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's um, basketball used to be a pretty big rivalry between those two schools for sure. Even when football wasn't all that competitive. Um, so yeah, to see that become such a, a heated rivalry and have those two programs be kind of among the, the, the standard bears in the sec. That's a, that, that's, that's pretty cool. And uh, we'll see how long they can, they can keep it that way, but it certainly makes that a, a high stakes matchup that we really haven't seen a whole lot in, in any of the major other major sports in recent years, and kind of kind of puts all eyes on the state of Tennessee in terms of SEC baseball. No doubt about it. All right, speaking of basketball, nice bounce back win for the Vols. Uh, you know they had the two back to back buzzer beating, heartbreak losses to Vanderbilt and Missouri respectively, and they go out the other night at the TBA facing number one Alabama, who had been undefeated in SEC play. They're without Julian Phillips. They're without Triple J. And that was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from a basketball team. Uh, they really had Alabama confused, I thought, at times. They couldn't get into any kind of rhythm. They got, you know, they kind of forced them into taking really bad shots. They only shot, what, like 35% from the field. Um, great, just a great overall uh, performance by the Vols the other night against Alabama. Yeah, it really was. And, uh, you know, they. At the same time, it was a game that it, it, you wouldn't say it was a perfect offensive performance by them by any stretch. They didn't right. shoot well at all in the first half. Uh, you know, Rick Barnes talked about it going into the locker room. They they went into halftime feeling like they had missed a lot of open shots. Um, at the same time, Alabama had a bunch of turnovers in the first half, so you, you kind of had the feeling whoever can reverse one of those trends was going to win the game. Alabama turned it over less, but Tennessee's offense shot much better uh, in the second half, and that was that was kind of the difference in the game. They uh, they, they just had a bunch of missed opportunities in the first half and, and didn't miss them in the second half. And, uh, and so that, that looks like a sustainable kind of performance when you look at it uh, in the sense that they shot 36% for the game. It's not that they just shot lights out against Alabama. They found a way to win against a quality, quality opponent, obviously the number one team in the country, uh, despite not really shooting lights out. And that's, that's kind of what they're going to have to duplicate, I think, in the postseason to really make it far uh, once they get to the NCAA tournament. And that's the, it's been the big question about this team. Can they find ways to win when their offense isn't firing on all cylinders, as we've seen, you know, really far too often from that team. Uh, I, I think that game showed that they showed a path for them, that they just need to, to kind of embrace who they are to a degree. And that was a, a return to form defensively after they gave up a lot of points to Missouri, kind of got out of their game. And Missouri just hit a bunch of shots too. Uh, had some mm-hmm. ridiculous shots that they knocked down in that game, but kind of a return to form defensively. They got into a, 
a, really a rock fight. It felt like hand-to-hand combat watching those two teams play uh, Wednesday night and seeing the way they were playing defensively. And when the, when the officials are going to let teams play uh, physically like that and, and not call too, too many fouls, uh, that, that's the kind of game that's going to play in Tennessee's favor. So they were able to slow down the tempo a little bit, make it their kind of game, and they found a way to pull it out in the end. Uh, got enough offensive contributions across the board. Santiago Vescovi and, and Zakai Ziegler shooting better than they had in some of those recent losses. And uh, and you, you saw it was just enough. You know, not a lot of offense, but they've got to have something uh, kind of across the board from those guys. And they finally got that against a good team. You know, Ryan, I felt good for Vescovy. I mean, you know, he had those two free throw misses in the back-to-back losses, and, you know, I know he missed three the other night, but for him to, like you said, hit some big shots and uh, contribute offensively, uh, that I felt good for him, you know? Yeah, and, and, you know, a lot of that probably not totally fair to to him that, that, that it all kind of fell on mm-hmm. uh, a missed front, front end of a one-and-one for the Vanderbilt game, uh, that it all fell on a – but because obviously he had a teammate pass up a wide open uh, layup or dunk that could have could have sealed that win just as easily, um, and then a lot of it fell on him for a missed free throw win on the next play. A teammate was was whistled for a lane violation that was equally, uh, if not more so, uh, uh, just just a, a setback for Tennessee in that situation. But yeah, I, that that's something that that players have to deal with when you when you miss a couple shots like that. It can get in your head. Uh, we'll see if he can continue to battle through that the next time he's on the line. With 15 seconds to go, trying to put away a win, I'm sure Tennessee fans are still going to be anxious <laughs> knowing those right. those two shots. But uh, I think he he yeah he, he bounced back, had a had a better performance offensively. Most importantly, hit three threes, hit a nice fallaway three in the corner. That was a big shot. Um, just had had a nice solid performance, even if he didn't shoot at, at a particularly high percentage. They've just got to have a few threes out of Vescovy and Ziegler in particular, and those guys each hit three in that game uh, too many games recently where they've when they have lost where they've only had a couple threes or three three or four that that's not going to be enough in postseason time they've got to find a way to get six or seven threes a lot of these games if they're going to find a way to win and Vescovy gave them uh, a big chunk of those threes they had Wednesday night so at Kentucky tomorrow at Rupp Arena Vols will be looking for a little payback after losing to the Wildcats uh, at the TBA uh, what do we know about Triple J and Julian Phillips? Will either or both be available tomorrow? Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. That's that's obviously a big question mark for this game. And, uh, you know, I think there's at least some optimism that, that one of those guys could be back. You know, I, I can't say for sure right now who's more likely mm-hmm. uh, to be back for that game. But it uh, you would certainly think there's uh, it, would, it would make a big difference if they could get one of those guys back. Um, so we'll see that that's, that's going to be the, you know, all eyes will be on those guys in warmups tomorrow. I think the good thing for Tennessee is, and, and, you know, I didn't even touch on this yet, but they found a way to win without those guys yeah. against the number one team in the country. Uh, that's, that's gotta be a big confidence boost for this team kind of reinforces that they've, they do have a deeper rotation this year, a, a much deeper team overall too many years in the, in the recent past, Rick Barnes has kind of relied on a seven or eight man rotation where a couple of absences like that would have been too much for them to absorb. This year, they're in a much better position. You saw you know, Jonas Adu and some other guys really pick up the slack. Uh, Uros Plasic even had a nice game Wednesday night. So if those guys can continue to pick up the slack, I, I think they can win even without them. But certainly they would, they would benefit, especially from Triple J, getting him back uh, with the way he's, he had played before that injury. Um, I get the sense that he might need a little more time, but we'll, we'll see um, you know, what the chances are of him coming back, and, and maybe we'll find out a little bit more between now and tomorrow morning. And all this going on, Ryan, of course, spring football right around the corner, right? What's uh, what's the buzz coming out of uh, spring ball? 
Yeah, this, uh, they won't get started until a little bit later in March, so we're still a little bit more than a month away, but March 20th, Tennessee's first practice uh, right wow. after spring break, and mm. um, so they'll, they'll go four consecutive weeks uh, pretty hard, pretty consistently there for four weeks leading up to the Orange and White game on April 15th. They're, of course, excited to be back in Neyland Stadium for that this year after uh, stadium renovations uh, kept that from happening in the stadium last year, and they sort of had to have a, uh, a makeshift spring game on the practice field that fans couldn't attend, so uh, that's the big story this spring. But, you know, on, on the field, I think the big thing this year, you're going to see a, a, just a much more competitive uh, situation, I think, at most positions, if not every position on the roster. They're just a much deeper team, um, partly because they have a huge group of early enrollees from their 2023 recruiting class already on campus, 19 early enrollees, along with several transfers that are really going to make this a competitive spring. Uh, this is the same team that had walk-ons practicing with the first-team secondary last spring because they had such a skeleton crew back there. Now you're going to have a secondary that's 10, 12 deep uh, with guys competing for, for playing time and, and maybe some situations even where whoever's not at the top of those depth charts could end up hitting the transfer portal after spring practice. So it, it, there's really going to be a lot more urgency to this spring, and we'll see how, if Tennessee can kind of build on, obviously, what they did this past season. But it's going to be a much different-looking spring practice from Josh Heifel's first two at Tennessee, just considering the amount of bodies he has available at, at almost every position, except for quarterback, where they're down to two. Mm. And we're going to get to see a, a lot of Joe Milton and Nico Iamaliava. They've got some walk-ons uh, led by Gaston Moore. They'll be competing for the number three job. But uh, a lot of freshman Nico Iamaliava that I know a lot of people will be eager to see, obviously, with him being the, uh, the highest-ranked quarterback Tennessee signed in a long, long time. Ryan, you're the man. We always appreciate you coming on with us every Friday. Have a wonderful weekend, sir. Hey, same to you. All right, there he goes, Ryan Callahan, Go Vols, 24-7. We're wide open until the top of the hour, everybody. Give us a call, 615-844-5600. Individual rates, coverage offerings, and savings may vary. Subject to terms and conditions. Not available in all areas. 